and Jackie, and we, we are, are your, your neighbors hood. What do we talk about? We are a podcast yeah. about uncomfortable culture conversations. Yeah, that we took from the kitchen floor, specifically. Oh, about race. Specifically about, about race. race. Yeah, yeah. So, because cool. we're two different friends from two different backgrounds. Yeah. So we. Why do we even do this? Well, I ran your campaign for school board, and we're different races, and we needed to have some uncomfortable comments. Well, we did have uncomfortable Well, we did, yeah. Mm-hmm. A so, lot of them. A lot of them. And we found that they were relevant, and, and we thought we'd share them and put them in your ear holes and do it through a podcast. Put them in people's ear holes? <laughs> I mean, I picture people wearing your butts. Not everybody that... She's an iPhoner, guys. I am. So she thinks that all people are with the earbuds. You know what? You're right. You're, it's iPhoners that think that. So all you Androiders, we get it, right? Yep. We, we understand that it's more know, to I'm, life I'm than Apple white earbuds. I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> no. You're right. I'm you're just, right. That's what I'm picturing. No, though. but that's true. That's because iPhone is a cult. It is a cult. I, I'm full cl- into the cult. You're fully acclimated. Yeah, in. I am. But that's so. the thing is that we have our different things. Yes. She's white. I'm black. Uh huh. She's Apple. I'm Android. But we still come together and make magic. Yes. So this every is what week. we're doing. So that's what we do. We have conversations every week, and they're often uncomfortable. So yes. And they may make you sweat. They make you sweat. They make me sweat. <laughs> Christina's a sweater. I was okay. But, so so Christina, what's good in that? Well, I brought my cat home, and she is. She just got spayed, and she's a baby. Um, and my other cat is angry, so I have two cats, and he hisses every time he comes near her. Hisses and growls. So I'm learning how to be a cat mom, and it's hard. And then, and I've she's a baby, and so I'm just trying to figure it out. But I'm happy. I, I love my. my and my kitty looks just like and my baby. Yes, and my baby. But we we just talked on two as on Tuesday, so not that much just happened. Yeah, not that much. Yeah, so. yeah. It's not like I live the most glamorous life. You do. Just, <laughs> so what's new in your hood? What's new um, in your hood? I was actually trying to think of what's good in my head. I've just been doing a lot of um, editing. <laughs> I know. Well, it's been a lot for the podcast. Like, yeah. we've seen a lot of each other, which yeah. I always love. Mm-hmm. We're hustling, guys. We are. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I played video games with my husband. That's fun. What did you Really? Play? Is it fun? Really? Okay. Really? I wouldn't want to do that. But you know what? I enjoy It depends on what the video game is. It is. So we played Major League Baseball. Oh, that's he cool. He let me play with my White Sox. Okay. He played with his Mets. Okay. He made sure that I had a beginner level. Yeah. Yeah, I would need <laughs> He that. spanked me. It was like 11 to 3 or something okay. like that. But I only played four innings with him because I couldn't. I was like, let's get long. We're not doing nine. We're not doing nine innings. We're not doing it. I'm not doing it because this controller. And I swear to you, the controller was not being responsive to me. And then he would be like, oh, by the way, you need to do this when you do this. Oh, by the way, when you're batting. Is he getting coachy? That's the worst. No, no. It wasn't coachy. It was like, you should have told me this before we started playing the game. Yeah, cheetah. (laughs) And then, okay. He's like, no, I just didn't think to tell you. And just, so we're playing PlayStation 4. Yeah, I, I think was going to say, that was. sounds, it was an older game because my brother used to play that. Major, but this is like 2018. They come out with a video oh, they come out with new every, ones, every year. Yep, so that's that's pretty fun. I don't mind it. I think it's a good thing to do yeah. every now and again. It's just it's a good downtime. I'm a good, I'm a good video game watcher. Like yeah. I like when he plays the games that are like mystery or like you yeah. got to find stuff or yeah. you got to, like I like fun. to be a side seed video right. game. 
Right. For a people little bit. People watch people play video games. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite is like L.A. Noir. Yeah. Like he played that game. I love so L.A. Noir. I love Hitman. I love watching Hitman. Okay. I love watching him play Assassin's Creed. What is Creed. the allure in it? Just, I just, just like, fun. you know, just being a part of the, it's, yeah. it's like a movie. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. It's like being a part of a yeah. movie where it's good downtime. A really cool one, and then we'll get out of my hood, <laughs> is Detroit. Okay. This game Detroit. It's like so many different storylines. Oh, so many see, I would like, like a, that would yes. pull me in. I never and like your decisions games. change the game. And okay. you know, as a like as a person that used to do oh, I would love online that. learning, I love that string effect. They let you see how your decisions have affected the story. I, I love it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I would play that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't play something, but okay. I can be. But a you can watch. You're so cute. I can watch. You put two fingers up. I can watch. I can do I'm that. an expert watcher. Amen. All right. Okay. We should probably right, leave so, our hoods. Yep. So yep. let's get into what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, nonsense. What are what is this episode about today? So this episode is really part two of you, me, and a former neo-Nazi yes. our last episode. So you, I highly suggest you go back to Tuesday's episode and listen if you haven't. If you haven't, yes. Gives a lot of context to what, so what today's we did. episode is. So this one is all this is it. This is the conversation with the former neo-Nazi. Yep. We just spent some time at midnight. <laughs> My, in my hood, <laughs> interviewing, we can say his name now, Yeah, we, Jason, Jason Downard. Yeah, we interviewed Jason Downard, a yep. former um, neo-Nazi who was trying to do the work um, to try to undo some of the things that he that he did in his own backyard, in his neighborhood. Yeah, check his, well, he didn't have biases, he was just straight racist. Straight racist. Yeah, um, and it's amazing, it's a story of redemption. Yeah. Story of pain, how he got to redemption. Mm-hmm. Well, and working. I think it's it's a, it's an ongoing story. Yeah. It's a story that just is going to continue to go as he journeys into the next. He he's really owning that former. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and owning that story. Um, and he's trying to do the work. He really is doing the work. Yeah. So we had like a two-hour conversation. So that's you're going to hear his life story, how he got in. Too. Yeah, and then Jackie and I will be audibly guiding you through the story. Yeah, we're gonna guide you through the story. This this is this interview was a little bit different mm-hmm. as we did it over video chat. And if you want to check out the video, yeah, it's not broken up like the podcast. The podcast has it pretty linear. Try to tell a story, but if you want to see the conversation that we had, you can check it out on our YouTube page. Yep. Uh, your neighborhood yep. on YouTube. Uh, check it out on our, our YouTube. Just type in your neighborhood. Yeah, and, and subscribe to the YouTube yes, page mm-hmm. um, and to the podcast. Uh, but. But yeah, we're going to guide you through it as we kind of um, talk to him. So you hear us, like Christina said, popping in and guiding along the conversation. We hope that you enjoy it. And please, if you got questions you want us to ask Jason, we intend on trying to do this again. Yeah, we want to do probably a follow-up. Interview. Yeah, a follow-up with him. So think, put your thinking caps on, get your pens out. Don't be afraid to Keep open mind. Questions. Yeah. Keep an open mind and enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. You look a little tense on that one. <laughs> enjoy. Ready. So let's, like, let's humanize Jason Downard a little bit more, That's right? Fair. Let's humanize you because one of the things you said was that you initially were in and out of foster homes. And so you became a, pretty much, not to say an easy target, but can you talk to us about your life before you got into the movement? Before I got in the movement, I was, like I said, I was in abusive, I was in abusive foster home. I was with, I lived with my aunt and uncle and, uh, my aunt 
it was nothing but a paycheck for them. They got paid like $1,500 a month to take care of me. And uh, they had seven kids of their own. And let me get, let me get your, this was good money back in the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, um, really to this day, today it's not, but like back then what they were getting paid every month, just, just to put a house over my head yeah. and they already had jobs of their, it was good money. And so they took that money and that, but that money was supposed to be used towards me and help me what I needed and this and that. It never did. So like I lived with, six of my cousins and I was constantly fighting with them because, uh, you know, that was their parents. They treated them better than they treated me. And I felt left out. I felt abandoned. And so I chose to, I, I chose the streets. I looked out to the streets and I found support in the streets, the friendships with friends and stuff. And it, and it was violence. And but a lot of us are when, when people live this type of life, they don't have a family within their family, they find family outside their family. I got incarcerated when I was 19 years old. And uh, so the skinheads pulled me up and uh, showed me a love and support system that I never had before because I grew up in foster care my whole life. So I never really had my parents. I grew up in, in a rough neighborhood where it was gangs and violence, but I grew up around Hispanics. I never seen African Americans before or anything like that or any other culture, but natives and like uh, the Hispanics. And so I never grew up racist until I went to the prison system. And then when you go into the prison system is it's, you know, I'm 19 years old. Don't never been incarcerated in my lifetime. And so, you know, these whites pull me up and come to find out they're, they're neo-Nazi skinheads. And they're like, Hey, this is the way that you need to be living. This is, you know, and they start breeding this information into you. And, and what part of it is like, Hey, do you, you know, those, those blacks over there, they're selling drugs to your kids and you see how they're acting this and that. So you, you see how they act into the prison system and, you, you, you get this image in your head that you think every person of a different color and how they act in the prison system is like that in society. And so the breeding grounds in the prison system is so high and, and it's, it's all racially divided. They bred all this information into me. I mean, you start to believe this ideology thought, but the whole point, they become your friend at first. And so they show you the support and then they see that you're clicking into this and you get involved with them. And so I showed 100% in this, this movement that I was fighting for. Okay. Okay. So you've already been listening. You heard yeah. some of his backstory. Yeah. Whew, it's heavy. Yeah. Um, and then part of it is, is I know that some of you may be able to relate. Yeah. I can relate a oh, little absolutely. to it. absolutely. He's gone through trauma. I mean, he's been through a lot. Okay, yep. And um, the thing about those things is you, you, you're you almost... Um, we all respond differently to trauma as well. You know, yeah. Access. But you're almost, uh, I don't want to say you almost fall victim to whatever the circumstances yeah, put in front of you. Yeah, you start um, to see why it was... What, what led him up to this decision? Yeah. Um, so you're, you've already heard that, and now we're walking yeah. to... So now the real question is, is like, well, how did they get you? Right. <laughs> like, Seriously. You know what I mean? Like, and how did they get exactly you? that's exactly what I remember thinking when I was talking, like, how does this even happen? Yeah. Like, I under, I hear what you've gone through, and then, like, from, we talk in this upcoming segment about, like, prison, what that was like, the recruitment process. Yeah. How, how does it even happen? I don't tell you too much, but, yeah, yeah. it gets... So that's what you're going to hear next is, like, how he 
what it was like when he got taken into. Yeah, what was the what was the candy? Yep. What was the bait? Yep. What got him in the car? Right. <laughs> in a sense, I don't know any other way to say it. Yeah. All right, so, so keep listening. Yeah, here he goes. So a lot of the times, like, what it is, is we see young white kids coming into the prison system and, and we check their paperwork and see if they got good paperwork. As long as you, you, they didn't tell on anybody, they don't have any sex charges, uh, anything like that. And we can identify that you're pretty much 100% white. Yeah. You're getting you're getting into this room. We'll pull you in and we'll train you the way we want. But and the thing is, it always starts with a friendship. And you start to be nice to these people. You walk the yard with them. You, you just casually have conversation. And you find these little things that they're missing. And, and you kind of use it to your advantage. Like, and you can train a person into something. They're like, well, hey, if you come join us, we can give you all these things. We'll promise you. They, they promise you the whole entire world. And really, you're, you're getting nothing but a life of crime and hate and, and, and hatred and and if you didn't hate yourself at the time, you're going to hate yourself even more deeper involved in getting these organizations. That's the thing. I was more angry every day waking up as, as further along in the organization I got involved in because you're trained to hate and you're trained to hate a person that is different color than you. So what it is, these people are hurt and broken. They're looking for some kind of, they, they're looking for love. That's the thing. That's what it all it is. They're looking is that what for you were looking for? Is that what you were looking for in love? I was looking for love and support. I was looking for somebody that cared for me like I cared for other people. And that was the thing. Like, yeah, that's how these, these gangs, it's hard to explain unless you live that lifestyle, you know? It's like having a best friend. You, yeah. you have a best friend and they're there for you all the time. That's kind of the same thing. We, we, we had that in the streets and we found that and, and and we got to do whatever we wanted to do, drugs to whatever, and violence. But a lot of this, a lot of this violence is being outraged because we're broken on the inside, and nobody we feel like nobody cares. Our own family don't care about us. That's why we're acting out and doing these things. We're hurt, so we got to hurt other people. Right. And that's how we, that's how we feel like we're we're getting back or we're you know whatever making ourselves feel better at the time, but in the long run you're you're really not better in yourself. You're not feeling better. And so, I, when I manipulated them, I was alongside with them. I I, I wouldn't put somebody through something that I wouldn't have done because I gave a hundred percent to this organization that I was involved in. So whether that was going out and committing a hate crime, I was there along with the person that I recruited on. People wonder how we people get into these organizations or whatever. And if you really think about it, a lot of us humans are, are kind of like you, you train your dog a certain way. You want your dog to act a certain way. The humans are the same thing. You can train a human to act a certain way. You just find their potholes, what they're missing or whatever, whatever's missing in their life. And you try to fill that with it. The thing is, is like, I was looking for a family. I never had a family. And these people showed that kindness and that support in the beginning. And then things start going deeper and deeper. And, and you start getting more involved. And, you know, and I, when I got to the streets, like I, I beat up anybody. It didn't matter. I, I beat up people my own color too, because they were using drugs. They were going against the, going against what we believed in. And what we believed in was, uh, 
you weren't supposed to use any kind of mind altering drugs that would alter your mind because they want you to be a hundred percent on guard because you're ready to be at battle at all times. And we believe that we were a superior race. The thing is, so, and a lot of the stuff that we thrived on was like, Hey, those African Americans over there and they, and they, you see how they treat us. Well, they think that we owe them something. We use that against everybody because we're like, you know, it wasn't us that put them in slavery. They're still holding that against us. And so that's why we, you know, it, we use little things, the history and stuff like that. And you're like, well, our forefathers fought for this land. We were the first here and, and all this little tiny things. And we, we pull this in and really, you look back like native americans were here before anybody else and we and the white man's pushed them out and gave them whatever they got now a land that's dry and everything else and they got this shitty end of the stick and so in society today and back then the white race is the most corrupt people there is and, and that's going for not all of us are corrupt but like in general if you look back in history and stuff the whites really screwed it up for everybody as a, as a general race. And the people that you're seeing today, oh, I'm not a Nazi. I'm not racist. They really are Nazis and they really are racist. They're, they're trying to make themselves look better than they really are. And, and the thing is, so like when I was recruited, I wore boots and braces. I, you, you knew I was a skinhead. I shaved my head bald and everything else. Well, we weren't getting nowhere with this, with this type of movement as far as and um, we look, you know, we look like we're danger people in which we are. We were violent people. And so we weren't getting into where we needed. So we, we told people, we started recruiting people. We, we find especially people that didn't have backgrounds and stuff like that, didn't have a criminal history. But some people, people get recruited on the streets and you're starting to see it in colleges. You're starting to see little kids shouting out racial slurs and that's because they're learning it from social media they're either their parents now they're they got recruitments on youtube videos and stuff and, and you're starting to see all these things so the white supremacy the movement is finding ways to recruit people and, and a lot of it's social media now and that's the scariest part and we recruited these people and brought them in and we trained them like, hey, we want you to go to school. We want you to get an education. We want you to get jobs in law enforcement, the government, and doctors, judges, lawyers, because that is a higher position in the part of taking over a society and taking over the world because we want an all-white nation. We want an all-white race. I'm going to ask, what's the end goal? The, the, the end goal is to have, and this is what everybody's fighting for, is, is, is to push everybody out that ain't white. They want an all-white community. That's what they, that's the whole thing. They want all other races wiped out. They want nothing but a white nation. Is it white nation thing, or world? Like, do they just want them to world? Like they want they want they want the whole world to themselves. And the thing is, and they part and part of it is, we recruited people. Hey, the Jews own the media. The Jews own the banks, and they, all this other stuff. We fed them full of this lies, and you see what they're putting. They only want to put certain things on social media and politics and stuff like that and they're like well that's the jews controlling the media and uh because if you really kind of look at it jewish people a lot of people they have money and they're really wealthy and that's what we we clean up we're like hey they're taking our money we that's our money we are not and it's like but we're we're brainstorming all this stuff oh they really what are we doing to fight you know what i mean we weren't really a lot of us were criminals 
it's a criminal organization and but it's a very violent one the thing is what neo-nazis like is they like silence and they like, they like violence so when people are silent they get to protest what they believe in and, and that's hoping to provoke the other counter protesters against them so hoping that they'll come after them and hit them first and they can they can strike them back and beat them to a pulp and they they and they make it well that's justified that's self-defense and they try to portray it they're the victim they came at us because you know we live in a world that's freedom of speech you can look at any other country there's countries that don't have that rights the uk the british the you know i mean they don't have those rights so that's why you see like a lot of like london area and stuff like the uk area like coming to the u.s and trying to figure out why what's going on they got the same problem in their backyard too but they don't have the freedom of speech. If they get caught preaching what they say, they go to prison. We have freedom of speech and we get to publicize it. So like here in the US, we look at it as like, hey, we're preaching what we believe in and we're hoping that you guys will come against us so we can fight back. And then we look at, and that's another way how we recruited people too. Well, hey, we, you know, you believe in free, we have freedom of speech, we believe in the white race. And that's what I was saying. We, we told children, shoot, are you proud to be white? And they're like, yeah. Well, why is it racist? When we say well, we're proud that we're white pride, but natives can say native pride, blacks can say black pride, but it, that's not racist. But when a white person says white pride, it's racist. So they're still here. <laughs> you're still here? Uh, you're still here. Okay, Hopefully good. you're here. Good. Thank you. Good. Okay. So, so now you've heard about the prison. You've heard about the recruitment. And the beliefs and the, beliefs. And the mission and, then, and holy crap. Yeah. And and the recruitment process and what it's like being in. How do you get out of something like this? I, I remember know. processing that while I'm listening to him because this, I learned a phrase, blood in, blood out. Like, That's, this yeah. is a big deal. This has become his family of sorts. You've heard yeah. that part already. So how do you get out of something like this? And, and, and how do you get to that decision? Yeah. How do you even get to the point where you're like, this is no bueno? Yeah. <laughs> like... Or oh, shit, I need out. Yeah, I mean, because you guys, if you're if you're listening, I'm sure you have questions for Chase. Absolutely. <laughs> like, what? Um, but yeah, so we 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 got to a point where it was like, all right, after all of this, mm-hmm. what? What? How do you take that next step towards uh, your awakening? In a sense, mm-hmm. you drank the Kool Aid, right? So when made you stop drinking the Kool Aid, right? Yeah. So, uh, Christine and I. Ask the question. We did. And we went there. Here's a response. Yep. So it was in 2016 uh, when I fully, fully left everything. But before then was it slowly led up to certain things. And uh, part of it was... Uh, I got jumped downtown Portland by a bunch of sharps and there there's those are skinheads against racial prejudice. A lot of them were former Hill Nazis or they're they found out they were gay or whatever and they left the movement or they got kicked out of it. And they joined they started their own group and these are like these are kinda like Antifa in a way. Okay. But okay. they dress up like skinheads and everything else and so like i ran up on a guy in downtown portland he was dressed up how i was dressed and, hey, and say hey you, you a skinhead he's like and he pulls his flight jack up no i'm i'm a shark and i was like well i'm a skinhead and we got down 
and four of his buddies came around and, and beat me down to the ground pretty bad. And I called my so-called comrades, my brothers, wherever you want to call them, and asked them to help me. They said, "No, we're no, we're 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 not down there. We can't help you, and we're not coming." I was like, "Okay." And uh, so, fast forward, as little things in life started just like clicking in, I ended up moving in with my sister uh, on my dad's side. And I got to know her, and, and it was like an instant love connection. Like, I already knew her. Like, I haven't been around her since I was two years old. Mm-hmm. And, but some inside my mind, like, I know who she, she's my sister, but like, I, it felt like it was a, felt like we, we were never separated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but still, like, she showed me that support and everything else, but like, I still felt like I was missing something. Still retaliated and, and went out to the streets and everything else and I, I was in and out of jail in and out of prison and, and to a point you get so tired of doing all these things and but all most important like my family was the key factor like i love my family my blood related family they they've been there from since day one in and out of prison they were always there they never left my side even though they told me they were going to you go to prison again you go to jail again we're done but they never did I don't know what they seen in me at the time because I didn't see nothing in myself at the time. I was like going down this dark path and I was going full throttle. I didn't really care. I, I never got to know myself. And that's the biggest thing. It's a lot of people haven't had the time to get to know themselves. I've been so broken and so down in the pits and the holes, lost everything, lost houses, lost cars, lost family, everything. And I still, I even tried to take my own life at one time mm-hmm. because I was at the lowest of the lowest. And I was like, you know, this is enough. But something inside me started coming back. Like, I, you know, there's more to you. You need to start living. And, I, and I, that's when I went to treatment and I found myself. And I I was sitting at my dad's house. This is, probably, this is like 90% of why I left the movement. I was sitting at my dad's house. My sister had a kid with African-American side. So I, I have a nephew that's half black and he was two years old at the time and i hated i resented my sister for this for many many years for like the first couple of years and i resented her i like disowned her and everything and i was sitting there but i love my nephew for some reason i couldn't like you mean like i love my nephew that's my blood family mm-hmm. and he's a kid i was like how can i hate a kid and the thing is i was sitting there looking at him one day and he was on my dad's lap and he was giving me his look and and it was like he had this look in his face like he knew what I was about and he felt sad it looked like he was saddened by it but I was talking to other people about this they're like you know that's really you seeing yourself in his eyes like you're feeling guilty of the things that you're doing and what you're fighting for let alone you have a black nephew right here and so that was my breaking point and I was like you know my family was always there for me, and I love my nephew to death. And we get along; we have a great relationship to this day. And that was the turning point. Like at the time, I didn't leave at the time because I didn't know how to. You know what I mean? But like, I started questioning things even more and more. And finally, I ended up going back to jail again, and uh, I ended up going to treatment. And I went to a faith-based program, and that's where I met other people. I got along with other people 
of the different colors and I got to know their stories and started realizing, like, hey, they're struggling just like I'm struggling. And most importantly, like we, we helped the homeless a lot too. So we fed the homeless and stuff. Like I got, I had time away from the streets and away from prison and away from that criminal life to actually focus on myself, get to know myself and, and working around other criminals that former criminals or whatever, addicts and whatnot. And they got to know themselves. They, they got, you pull somebody out of that type of society and, you, and they, they start to realize who they are truly as a person. And so that's what it took. It, it took me, you know, it, it took me nine years almost, but like, you know, I lived a rough life since I was like 12 years old. I've been in the streets since I was 12. I've been around, I've been around gangs and violence. I've been around where people I walk out your house and you see a dead body laying on the ground. It was normal society. For me. But like racism wasn't. To, to me today, looking back and seeing the things I've been through and, and what I caused, the harm that I caused other people, whether it's that person or that culture or whatever, like it, it breaks my heart because like I get sensitive to a lot of things that I've caused in the past. And, and so yeah. burning question though, burning question. I know Christine wanted to ask this. How did you get out? Like, yeah. was there, was was there something? Because like, I know growing up to get out of a gang, People have almost come within inches of their life. My brother got out of gang. I mean, so there's a price to play to get in and there's a price to pay to get out. So what price do you have to pay or did you have to pay a price to get out? Um, I pay a price every day. I, I have the I have a target over my head, you know, um, especially with like me, Christian, all those formers that, that are especially talking out about what we're doing. We're, we're a target for everybody. People want to get a hold of us. For your life? Yeah. It's blood in and blood out in these organizations. Okay, so you're still here? And I was wondering, Jackie and I were both wondering, like, to me, the amount of hate doesn't make any sense. And, and, and it doesn't sound like a very fun thing to me. But no, no. I mean, <laughs> listen know, to what he said. It miserable. Yeah. Then. So uh, there's so much hate and anger. And so to me, I'm wondering, and we ask this in the next part, and this is what I get into, how in the world does this keep going? Yeah. How in the world in 20... 20- in 2018, how do we still have this much hate? Yeah. And 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 why? And why? Why? I can't wrap my head around it. And that's why this, to me, the why of this is the entire, this whole thing is important, right? Right. But, but we didn't know it was this bad. No. That's why we're doing this interview. We didn't know, well, well some of us. Yeah, yeah, I will say, I know you were like, I, I didn't know. know it was but this what bad. I feel like is at this yeah, point, you. this point where we're getting in the podcast is mm-hmm. like, you, we know what it is. We know why it is. We know that Jason is like, no more of this. But it's like, what do you even, do you even regret? Mm-hmm. Because you've got to look right. back on being a part of this. And so, Christina, you're like, hey, how does this keep going? And I'm like, do you regret? Yeah. <laughs> and like, do you, is there a moment? Do you there, realize Do you watch impact? this movement? And do you, do you see what this movement has, has done? Like, continues to do yeah and continues to do and and try to get some get behind his lens mm-hmm. and see what he's seeing because he's seeing this from the eye of a former yeah um neo-nazi right and those are two such different perspectives yeah, yeah definitely because you and i you know it's it's shock it's and hard to and understand. curiosity yeah train wreck like train wreck. for me like car wreck <laughs> i want to i want to ask more i want to do more but i just want to know what's you know but why? Mm-hmm. But what? And do you do you have any regrets? Yeah, I would hope that he had some 
regrets overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, and so you'll hear what he says to mm-hmm. those questions. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. I wanted to say, how is this movement prevalent? The movement? Yeah, yeah. how does it keep going? How does it keep going? Well, you, you, uh, <laughs> you find more kids to recruit. I knew, I knew you were going to say children. Like you said, find more the mean, well, young mind or whatever. But how do they do this? You read a book, did they pound it? Like, what are you, what's being passed down? Like, I, I don't understand the ideology. I don't. Like, 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 I, like I said, you know, kids don't have, some kids don't have their parents in their lives or their parents and society's making it where parent, two, both parents have to work full-time jobs to provide for their family. So kids find a lot of time to themselves. Parents are not paying attention because they're stressed about money, paying the bills to put a roof over their kids, but they're not paying attention to what their kids are doing. So your kid could be locked away in her room or on their cell phone and searching things on social media. And this is how white supremacy is in your children today. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is how, this is how hate crimes are reaching out to children mm-hmm. today is social media. And that's the thing. Parents are not paying attention to what their children are doing. Yeah, so we just had an interesting conversation. We just did a podcast where we talked about the United Daughters of the Confederacy and how they were like, you know what, we're going to weaponize school books, keep this rhetoric going. So it's almost like, yeah, you have to get minds before they're truly molded, or you have to find the minds that, that, have, that you feel like you can fill a hole to keep them in a movement. It, part of it is what media portrays it and how other other people see things, you know. And all it comes, it, it all comes in history too. The white really, like the whites, really screwed everybody way back when this nation came a nation, you know. And the thing is, now that you have, now that we have a president that's in office, this is what. This is what the neo-Nazis, the white socialists, the far right, whatever you guys want to call them nowadays, uh, it, the, the whole movement is going to a different route than what it was five years ago. What's that different couple years route? Ago. You, you're starting to see what, we've, what's been being preached the last 30, 40 years. We were involved in the movement, what we were teaching, we were preaching all this stuff, blend in with society. And to this day, you never know if your neighbor's a Nazi because they're clean cut wearing suits and ties and they're going to a normal job and now you got a president that's speaking out against us let's make borders higher this is what we've been looking at if i was still on the movement this is something that we were looking for a president that's going to stick stick up and stand up and, and say all these things so you're seeing all these riots across the united states of america more than you ever seen before because we never really made publicly tv like like now you know what i mean thing is is the reason why is you have a president that's making it okay and now you're starting to see a lot more in law enforcement where where white cops are killing african-americans and it's being justified that's a sign of racism i don't care what anybody thinks when it's justified and and, and you're finding out a lot of these african-americans or hispanics are getting killed by white law enforcement and they don't have weapons on them they didn't do anything cop tells them to put their hands up and they refuse to or whatever it doesn't give them the right training to pull their gun out and shoot them people you gotta think like aryan brotherhood they're violent too they kill yeah. people we're trained the white supremacy is trying to kill people too 
Have you ever had like an oh, oh shit moment, like seeing your influence or your impact? Because I know Christian talked about how um, when the, the kid did the, the shooting in South, South Carolina, how his band, the, the way, how his lyrics, the kid was looking for the band and he was like, you know, holy crap, all these things that I put out there are still influencing, you know, influence Dylan Roof. Couple days before he shot up the church, he was looking at Christian at something he did when he was what 14, 15, 16 years old. Have yeah, so so a lot of a lot of so like with me is like I'm starting like a lot of stuff that I preach to kids nowadays is what we're seeing today, where there's young college students that are white supremacy and they're going to get some kind of degree in some kind of higher position that we wanted them in. And I help preach this stuff and, and orchestrated people into the society. So, and they're going to, they're going to teach somebody else too. And it's just a keep on going thing. And that's the thing that's scary is because we helped it and you're starting to see it unfold in 2000, it started in 2017, even more than what you've seen before. And, and that's the sad thing. You know, why are we all fighting over the skin color? I believe we all should be fighting for having and paid good money to work a job. We, none of us should struggle in society to sustain and put a roof over the head for our families and kids. And, be there. and, you know, we should be fighting for the school education for kids and stuff like that's getting taken out. Healthcare, you know, social security and stuff. All these things are, you know, I mean, there's better things to fight for than the somebody's color of their skin. Right. Okay, so, so we're getting we're, towards the end. Yeah, we're winding this one yeah. up. Yeah, if you're still with us, thank you. Yeah, we thank appreciate you. you. Um, so this one, he opens up a lot. I mean, he's been been opening up, yeah. but he shares some feelings about what he's gone through. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he processes through like, okay, this is what happened. This is what I did. What we're also learning is that there's power in really taking the steps to overcome yeah. That, like really, when we look at alcoholics going to, because he talked a little Owning bit before, his story. yeah, about really taking that thing and and doing the one thing, but you'll hear him talk about what that looks like now for him. Mm-hmm. Because I think both of us are like so like, so what now what? Yeah, I think for this him, one, this yeah, is yeah, yeah, him, yeah. like you're getting to the point where you guys know we do so what now what, and so he in essence shares that to us like so. I did this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was part of this thing, and I know it was bad. Was yeah, an understatement. But, but now what? No. Where do you go from here? Where do you go? Yeah. And he just shares, really, truly, what that looks like for, for him. him. Yeah. yeah. And it will shock you. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. I don't want to steer my thoughts on it yet. So you gotta listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here he goes. Kind of. Getting us into present mind. Yes. Right. Present, 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 present day. day Jason. Present day. And what Jason's all about yes. and, and, and trying to do. But what does Jason Downer turn to now? Like, what do you turn to now? What I turn to now is like, I, I love to help other people out. And that's my passion. I've been through, I've been through foster cares and everything else and my biggest my biggest thing is now is to give back to society but to reach out to other people and tell my story and let them know it is possible to change but the thing is that when in order to change too 
society needs to let people change because there is people in the movement today, people in in the movement today that wants to get out, but they have no way out because that's all they know in society. And the the thing is, and they blame it on society because society won't let them change. They they, they look at, but you're, you're a felon. We're not going to give you an opportunity. So we're trying to get all the resources that we can and job connections. And that's all across the world. We, we, we help people get counseling. We get them back into school and everything else. Like I'm mentoring a 50 year old dude out of California right now and get him a job and get a social security card and everything else. And, and like none of this stuff is free in the world. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of us are putting our own time and our own money into these type of things because we're giving back in society. Yeah, we may get funding here and there, but we, we don't get enough to even do what we need to be doing. So a lot of us end up making fundraisers and trying to hope that somebody will fund, you know what I mean, so we can pour back into our organization, help other people out, because our biggest thing is, is trying to find a job for somebody because nobody ever had – a lot of these people didn't have a real job. They didn't have people – you know, and that's the thing. They need, they need something that's steady, a good housing, a good job, a good mentor, somebody to stick by them and, and not live that lifestyle anymore. And that's the thing. It's like that's what we're here to support. And that's what we're here to do because somebody gave us a chance. Why, why, why stop it there? Mm-hmm. And you keep going forward and keep pushing forward and, and take that and help that person out. When you help that person out, you hope that person is going to help somebody else out. It's a recycling. The thing, same thing as what we're doing is kind of like what's going on recovery, addiction. People are helping other people out or they're addicted. Why is people addicted to drugs? That's a good question. The same thing and why we were addicted to the movement and these hate groups and everything else. Every gang out there in society today whether it's white supremacy to to the bloods, the crips, or whatever, it's all a hate movement. I look at it as all it's a form of hate because they're hating on other people because of the color of rag that they wear or the color of the skin that they are. And the thing is, there's hate in normal society too. Person like, I don't like the way that person's talking. That's a form of hate and that's a form of racism. And people need to know when they're crossing that boundary and don't get me wrong. Every person in the world, it's something in humans that want to judge other people. That you know, it's 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 natural for us to judge. It's it's to, which is true. We are all we're all prejudiced in some way, shape, or form. But what are you as a person who is coming to the other side? Like you said, you're you're trying to live your best life after hate. What do you say to people that are like, why would I help you? the problem that you created because you know we talk about society that's something christina and i've had a lot of conversations about how do we allow bring these people for whatever it is whether it's an abuser a rapist a murderer how do we bring these people back into society and when we talk about race it can get real touchy where someone may look at you and say jason you created the problem why should i support you with bringing people back in what would you say to a person like that why important to to that's a good it it is and and the thing is is like um i've learned sometimes you just need you you just need to give a person an opportunity you got to have that in your heart to willing to give somebody an opportunity but the thing is every person should be like that and people just need to give that other person a chance that's all it is somebody gave me a chance i'm giving somebody else's chance 
and it needs it just needs to keep happening you know and that's the thing a lot of people don't want to live that a lot of people don't want to do that well a lot of us we're we're trying to we're trying to show that hey we are formers that's why i wore the shirt that i wore when i was out in dc mm -hmm. i'm a former neo-nazi ask me questions that's how i found yes. you i googled that <laughs> <laughs> I literally googled that. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so, so. so it sounds like part of it is wearing the thing that probably changed that would shame you the most, right? Not giving the uh, people the opportunity to go to social media and say, "Oh, Jason Downer, former the Nazi." Like you're wearing your scar. I'm wearing it high and proud on my, but I know that. I'm doing the right thing. I lived a I lived a harmful past, but it broke me so in so many ways. And now, like, I'm this different person, and I, and I want to give back. And I don't judge anybody. I try not to judge. I don't judge by this people's skin color. Don't get me wrong. I don't do that no more. I I, I beat myself. I like, I I learn how to forgive myself every day for the harm that I caused. And people just and a lot of people going through their. A lot of people are going through their own struggles. So that's what a lot of it. That's why people are judging other people too, because they're they're not loving themselves they're not they haven't found out who themselves are so that's that's pretty much a lot of why people judge too because they're not comfortable in their own skin what they, about they, people they that hate judge just because of their experiences so like for instance i'm just going to use my own experiences it's been really hard for me to come on the other side with european americans because I had a swastika painted on my house, you know, and like we had like police terrorize us and things like that. So some, for some people, it can be really hard to say, hey, I, I, I want to give you a chance, but mm, history has shown me otherwise. Um, but what I will say is that you're doing something very different. And I'm just trying to get you to speak to those people that are like, uh-uh, you know, what people have shown us for a century, conquer, conquest, and destroy what makes Jason so different? You, you got to look at, like, we thought every black person was the same. Yeah. What we seen in prison, we thought every black person out there in society is the same. Mm -hmm. I got to know, I got to go, I got to know some black people, some African-Americans. So you went to their neighborhood? <laughs> you went to their neighborhood? No. Not neighborhood, but quote-unquote neighborhood. No. Cheesy. <laughs> You were a part of their life in some way. You got to know them on a personal level, sort of, relationship. Like, <laughs> there is, there, oh man, what, what, what do you say to that? No, there, that's where, that's where, that's where racial divided people start to look at things. They, they think, they think African-American live in the ghetto. Yeah. They think, because. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of gangs in African Americans, but there, there's a lot of gangs in, in whites and in the Hispanic and everything else. And, it, and what it is, it's it's what's being portrayed on social media in the news. So that's where people are thinking this stuff, and they never seen. Maybe they never. Maybe this person never seen an African American working at a bank or in a, a suit right. he's a genuine nice person he's not wearing saggy clothes he's not wearing baggy pants walking down your right. neighborhood with a gun in your hand shooting your neighbors or kids selling your kids there is there is people in every race selling drugs to the kids in the neighborhoods if they're in, if they're involved in that life but not every culture is like that not every person not every white man's racist not every black person's racist not every hispanic person's racist you know what I mean? they're but Every person 
and skin color, everybody's different. And the thing is, like, it, it's hard to explain. Like, I got to know other people. I, I these people for so long, and I got to know even more being outside the movement and doing these interviews. I met genuine, true people that didn't weren't afraid of me. Like, I've I've interviewed with quite a fit, quite a few. Um, african-american women and men and like they they reach out to me and they're like i love your story and they got to know me and they're like you know and they give me a hug afterwards and it feels good to be able to give back and they're not judging me well that's what we're saying jason is you're what you're saying is you have to have a change of heart yeah but but you humanize all these people that you hated so you go from hating to humanizing you you kind of like, I say you went in their hood. We mean like right now, Christine and I growing a relationship. We're kind of in each other's hood in a mm-hmm. sense of I'm getting to know her as a person. She's getting to know me as a person. And we're looking beyond what, that beyond what, what we see when we first look at each other is that you took the time to get to know people that you were taught to hate or trained to hate. Mm-hmm. Where everybody's you're, you're trained to hate. You're not born to hate. You're trained to hate. But right. but then you gotta think back. Like I still to this day, I gotta think back. Why was who was the first person to train to hate somebody? Why would they, what what happened? But the thing is, like, why do people commit murder? Why do people commit these kind of crimes? What what is it's something in somebody's brain? And, and that's probably an ongoing situation that nobody will ever figure out. Yeah. But as a society and a thing or whatever, if you know deep down inside your body and your heart that what you're doing is wrong, but you're still living that lifestyle, that's where you need to start changing and looking at what you're doing. I started to, I started to have guilty consciences of the things that I was believing mm-hmm. in and started questioning everything. And I knew what I was doing is wrong. Jason, what's the hard part for you now? The hard part is actually, to be honest with you, like talking, some people don't know my story, but like I have an African-American guy that I work with, like the dude a lot. And I finally opened up to him the other day and told him my story. He was shocked. He was mind blown. He didn't judge me. He's like, I still like career. He's like, I never knew, you know? And sometimes you feel guilty when you're like talking to somebody. Like I used to hate somebody like you because of the color of your skin, you know? And, and that's the hard part. Like I look at other people, cultures that I know that like that person's a nice person, but I hated everybody that was that skin color. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to know other people, you know? And I think the biggest hardest thing is like people gave me a, a chance and opportunity and I still feel guilty for the things that I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And so like I work every day to better myself. I work 12 hours a day, provide for my family. I have more today than I ever had when I was in the movement, nice. you know? And I go to school. Oh, good for you. Look, I'm gonna lighten it up. I see you have a um, Chicago Bulls hat on. Are you? Is that yeah, just for actually, fun? is that for fun or is are we are we? You got a Chicago girl here. Are, <laughs> are, we, are we serious? What, what are we doing here? <laughs> no, so, so I was like I said, I was retreating. What? I said just matches the shirt. <laughs> it matches everything that I wear. I wear it 24 seven. I literally wear it every day. No, I was, um, I was, uh, I was in treatment. So like, when I was in treatment, I was in a faith-based program. I worked we had a, we had a store that we, uh, it's kind of like a, a thrift store. It is a thrift store. So we, 
So all the money, all the stuff that got donated to the store, we sold in the store and, and it went back into the community to help the yes. homeless and stuff like that. So I, I got this hat from there and I've, you know, held on to it ever since. It's, it's probably helping you. It's probably helping your yeah. mind keep it and protect it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we take care of our people, uh, Jason. <laughs> you still have your tattoos? No, my. Mine are all completely covered up, but I still have pictures of everything that, you know, I mean, that's a reminder and that's helps, you know, and I got my last cover up uh, last week before I went to DC. I had a hooligan tattooed on my knuckles. And so like every time I look at my hands, I, you know, I see that and it just remind me of my past. So now I got patience tattooed on my knuckles. Oh, and wow. The movement to me, that word, today moved into patience and that's something that i work on every single day uh sometimes i don't have patience and i gotta work learn to work on that because you know i i'm one of those people i kind of want this right now i want this to work out right now i get these i get these ideas in my head i'm like i want this now i want this to work now i want people to see it now it doesn't doesn't work like that I take that unfold. message from you. I need that. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> it can make you spiral, you know? It can. Well, it and can... you also, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. You can feel like you're not doing anything. I, I get that. Yeah, and, I, and like, I spent, like, like don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd work a lot of, I mean, I work a lot, and I'd spend every day when I got home doing research and trying to start these fundraisers and, and everything, I spent my weekends, you know, and my fiance is like, well, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I got things to do. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for this. You know what I mean? And like, well, don't stop. This is something, this is something I'm generally want to do the rest of my life and, and, and travel the world, help people and tell my story and reach out. And that's the thing is what people in the world they need more people like us in the world to be able to yeah. inspire somebody else focus right now is not only through the world too but in my own backyard that i've caused harm to it in portland and, and oregon oregon is, oregon is built around the, the state was formed around racism so okay. that's my biggest thing like i want to work and and do something within oregon too that's that's why i've been trying so I live in my own neighborhood and still contribute and help and try to make a society a better. I, I, I don't, I haven't left where I started to cause the harm. You know what I mean? I'm not hiding from anybody. That's, still you. That's so powerful. Yes. So. Well, we're inspired. You're an amazing person. Just remember <laughs> on the hard days. Yes. On the, yeah. on the hard days. When yeah. the going gets tough and the tough gets going, remember that. Remember, remember your why. Remember your, as Christina likes to say, that. remember your why. We appreciate it. <laughs> People coming to your neighbors. Like, I appreciate yeah. it. Hold on. He said he liked to hug. Virtual hug. Virtual hug. Virtual <laughs> hug. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. All right. Take have care. a good night. Good night. Bye. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So then, now it's our turn. Yeah, I know. So what? Yeah, so now what? Now what? Well, it was a lot. That was a lot. It was like, I mean, so take I mean, a deep breath in, everybody. Yeah. And then release yeah. out. <laughs> um, I, and I would, you know what, I'm going to encourage you to even go back and listen again because yeah. I think it became just a tiny bit more powerful each time that I got the opportunity to listen to it. There were just little pieces that made me 
think about my own upbringing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I bonded with him. And can I say this? I just will because we go there. It was weird. It was weird to think, how did I... How am I seeing How do you have myself? empathy for someone? Yeah. 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 Well, you? and I see myself through some of the things that he's gone through. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm like, I've been there. Not with everything. Yeah. But the, he's human. He's been You've through. never been a neo-Nazi? No, I'm not. Thank but. I'm just messing. I'm just <laughs> no, but I mean, well, yeah. but as the human aspect. So yeah. my so what is, you know, we did the interview. We sat in the awkward because that's what we say we do. And we did it. Um. You know, we processed it. And then my now what is, honestly, like, listening to this, and like Jackie said, listening again and learning to stay open. Yeah. Because it was hard. I mean, I'll admit, it's hard to stay open. It's hard to hear someone's story and still not judge them. Yeah. And still say, I get that, but... I mean, I will, I'll just say it. Part of me is like, we've all had effed up past. Like, children have effed up past, so... I didn't make that choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... For me, the now what also is redemption. Yeah. Is it what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And I think now that you've listened, you see that it's something that he has to seek every day. He has to forgive himself every day. He has to ask society to give him forgiveness every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because you heard that. He said, you know, he said, you ha- I have to, people have to give me a chance. That's all he has. He literally, I mean, there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. We have to have faith in him that... He's changing and trying to do the work. Yeah. And so my so what now what is um, so what again, we've gotten the opportunity. He's just he's but one person. And I I hope that we're able to do this more to get more inside the minds of um, people that um, have taken that path. Mm -hmm. I think it's almost like watching those um, those. those crime shows mm. where they get to talk to the people that can be like yeah like a it, serial killer you know, no sorry serial killer. no 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 I know but no but that's what I, I just thought of the Netflix you no, know what I mean where they go the and talk to a, someone yeah, yeah making of a murderer, murder right so yes, that you not, go sorry. no Jason's not a murderer. But but going into the mindset of someone that can do something that we believe to be very heinous. Yes. Right? That's exactly what and, I mean. And, That's and, all. Yeah. That's what we meant. No, it's okay. okay. We get it. We get it. We get it. It's just like of someone, I just, I'm not acting up. I just can't ever imagine that level of hate. Yeah. It's very difficult for me right. to understand. Mm-hmm. By no means perfect, but I can say I don't understand that by any, there's not one part of me that, that, gets, that it. gets it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a part of me that gets being human and broken. Absolutely. And vulnerable. Yep. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's because I've been a because I've been a victim of hate crime. I've always wanted to know like what the heck. Why do you hate? Why me? why do you? <laughs> how does this happen? Yeah. You know you think it happens in the home, and we see in Jason's story that it didn't start in the home. That it it started later he says on. That. It did. Yeah. It started later on in life. It, it is a true testament to vulnerability. It is a true testament to um, the fact that his character allows him to walk back from that. Mm-hmm. Says something about his upbringing, meaning there's some somewhere along the line somebody did something good that allows him to have enough self-reflection to say uh, this was probably wrong. So I have hope, in yeah. a sense, for, for people. And uh, but I. But I am also still kind of shook by it, you know, mm-hmm. still kind of like, you know, you got some ways to go to really like, re- do I believe them? Yeah, I do. Um, and that part of that is probably because 
again, I, if you listen to the other episode, uh, me, you, me, and a former neo-Nazi is I've got gangbangers in my family. I've got drug dealers in my family. I've got um, all kinds of people that have done things that are very similar to Jason's plight that I've seen them turn their life around, but it was only through a concentrated effort to address the true issue, getting to the why. So like the therapy, the the the, the real doing the real work to to not be what you, you thought can yourself change. to you've yeah. seen it. I believe people I believe people can change, but I believe it's a fight. You're going to have to fight that every day. Every day. Because somewhere in you we all have our biases, but somewhere in him it is a, it's much deeper. It, you know, it, it was embodied by action, so it's gonna be a lot of work and I wish him well along Me too, the way. Absolutely. I, I, I mean I I it was such a great I mean, let's just put it out there too. We got to give him credit for sharing because he doesn't have to. Mm. It's, I mean, this cannot be easy to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try to be vulnerable all the time and it's hard. Mm-hmm. He's really putting out his the ugliest of ugly. I think it's a snapshot of what people need. I think in order to move forward, like, we need to see this. Yeah, like, I think more people like him need to share the story because it is very hard to know that there yeah. are people out there that hate you that much and to not get an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And it's what Kool-Aid are they drinking? Right. You know what I mean? But then it's like we go to this question all the time and I'm just bringing it up again because it's like, Again, what do we do with the worst of the worst? Yeah. Well, society deems the worst of the worst. What do we do with them, and how do they integrate back into society? Yeah. How do they integrate? We don't have the answers at your neighbor's hood right now. No, we don't have the answers how to integrate them, but what is also very scary is that he has said that, the, you know, they are among us. Oh, yeah. Well, he said that, that, I will say, that scared me the most was when he was like, it could be your neighbor. Yeah, easy. You know, or we were trying to get them at the highest levels of Clean government. Cut. Or, oh yeah, and sounding completely normal yeah. and not scary. And and I mean, that's really how, it, how this stuff starts. Yeah, that is also very troubling. And I know that he has to live, he's going to live with that, being a part of that. But it's always, it's almost a wake up call to people that, you know. But then um, his story is also going to reach people, like we said, that we, that I never will. Yeah. That hopefully someone will hear this yeah. and realize that yeah. it's a life filled with hate and misery. Yeah, and hate breeds hate. Of uh, If you're hating other people, it breeds hate of yourself, too. Yeah, um, good point. So we ask that, I mean, if there's somebody out there that is, if you're a part of something that is destructive to your others, then it is destructive to yourself, and we'd encourage you. Yeah. Right. So all of the, the stuff that'll be in the note, I mean, they'll have lots of resources. Thank you for listening to Your Neighbor's Hood. Yep, thank you for listening. We'd love to have you continue listening as a subscribed listener. Yes, ma'am. On iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Spreaker. Spreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our website, yourneighborshood.com. Yourneighborshood.com. Drop us a line. <laughs> Tell us what's good in your hood. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Yeah. And what are you doing? What was most shocking to you? Yeah. Or what was not so much shocking to you? Let us know. All right. High five, Christina. We did it. We made it. Yep. See you later. Stay curious. And make it a great day. (laughs) You're like looking at me like, come on. I'm like, oh. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No.